0: to the latest episode of Connor Conversations. This is the podcast series designed to look at the important issues and items high on the HR agenda at the moment. My name's Cathy Donaldson, I'm the Director of People Development at Connor and today's episode is focusing on employee experience and what organisations can do to strengthen and improve their employee value proposition and that's particularly important in this day and age when we're hearing so much about Retention being a big issue that HR leaders are facing today. What you'll hear is a conversation between myself and Nell Woolcott, who is the managing director of Anne Corda, a recruitment-based uh, recruitment organization based out of Peterborough. And she's going to be sharing that all-important um, feedback in terms of what candidates are looking for for employers right now, but also some tips and tips of some of the stuff that she's been working on with some of the organisations she works with in terms of finding the right candidates for them. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the latest episode of Connor Conversations. I'm delighted to introduce to you Nell Wolcott, who I've worked with several times over the years. Um, And the topic that we're going to be discussing today is about talent, attraction and retention, because we know it's a big challenge for HR organisations and for business leaders right now. And now you've got some fantastic perspectives that would be lovely to share with our audience. Can I just kick off by asking you a bit more about you, and Cordu your organisation and the specialisms that you have because I think that would be great to understand your perspectives on this.
1: Of course and thank you very much first of all for inviting me to join you. Um, as ever um, always a pleasure to sit down and have a conversation with you. So um, we are a small independent recruitment consultancy that's based out of Peterborough um, and we work with our clients on a number of different specialisms um we used to say anything you can do from the office but that's a bit pre-pandemic so now we say anything that you can do from a desk because let's face it that desk might be under the stairs so we are good at we know in fact I'll, i'll 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 claim greatness we are great at working with our clients to fully understand who they are what they do why they do it how they do it um and to understand their vision and values um, and their proposition so that we can unearth the ideal candidate to fit the gap within their organisation. And that's um, probably 50% of what we do sits within the HR space, and that's anything from HR administrator through to HR director um, in a number of different sectors, um, predominantly Peterborough-based organisations, but we do recruit nationally um, for those organisations that have a need. um, But we wouldn't go out and Chase business in a different area because we like to know our candidate, uh, our clients, so we can be close to them and really help identify the right person. Oh, brilliant! Thank
0: you. So, what are you seeing then when you when when employers are coming to you asking to find the perfect candidate for them? What are you seeing in terms of what are the requirements for attracting the right talent yeah. and indeed retaining talent? And I'd be interested to know what the balance is of what candidates are telling you about why they're on the market in the first place, because it would be interesting to understand both perspectives and what you're yeah. seeing right now.
1: OK, so, I mean, we are in fairly uncharted waters at the moment, I would say, in terms of the fact that we are seeing a record number of vacancies. I think uh, three weeks ago, we recorded 1.25 million vacancies in the UK, um, which is a staggering number. Um, and if you compare that probably to sort of pre-pandemic levels, um uh it's even more than then so there is a need for people we have we have a genuine need for talent in our in our organizations at the moment um and i think there's a there's a there's a uh, an offset possibly in terms of skill sets that are available in comparison to the roles that we're trying to fill but also we we are seeing candidates emerge from a very very cautious phase so uh people have stayed put because it's safer um, yep. And now it's kind of emerging, blinking from the darkness of the pandemic, and and, and people are thinking, well, oh, perhaps I perhaps I could change, particularly in the HR space. You know, the HR teams have been triaging COVID, and nobody's been triaging them. Ah. So people are fatigued. Um, they've we've all had a, you know those days of overwhelm. So the the ap- appetite is for something positive, um, something flexible, something fluid, um, and Something different. So we are seeing the candidate market, the availability of talent increase, but people are very, very clear on what they want. So um, you know, and the power is in the on the candidate side at the moment. So we are seeing people who are coming and saying things like, "I want flexible working." Um, I want to be able to go to a spin class on my spin class on a Thursday at nine o'clock. And, and previously, that would be unheard of, you know, where, yeah. whereas actually now it, it is something that, that is under consideration. I think the learnings of the pandemic have been work is what we do, not where we go. So presenteeism, hopefully, is on its way out. And we are measuring people on their productivity and their contribution um, to the organisation rather than where they sit and how long they sit there. And, and we
0: t- and we hear that talked about a lot mm. um, in the, you know, there's not a presenteeism approach. We measure people on output and performance. And yet what I hear is I'm being measured on my input and performance and pe- we're being expected to be back in the office because yeah. people can't see it. So I know we're saying one thing, but I'm also hearing the opposite is true. And I'm just wondering where the truth lies in all of that.
1: So that's probably what candidates are saying they want. Um, and we are and we have we have we have made sort of steps forward in terms of um queue hand movement of steps forward uh yeah. into a, a different space um and and that has improved but we're kind of we're, we're back in uncharted uncharted waters aren't we i mean we we as we came into the pandemic we you know we were hurriedly throwing our Calculators into a plastic bag and carrying our keyboards underneath our armpits, fleeing from the office to get home to you know work from home. All yeah. of a sudden, and lots yeah. of organisations just didn't have the infrastructure, both in terms of IT but leadership capability. You know the 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 pandemics held a magnifying glass up to all the faults in terms of our leadership capabilities, um, and uh, so so we we we're coming out of that. Um, but again, we don't know what that means and it's different interpretations and in different employers we're we're hearing from some organizations uh that they're mandating five days back in the office but they can't articulate why and why is a really really important thing to be able to explain to your workforce because it has to have context and it has to have meaning for them i mean we've we had um an example yesterday of something that was just so emotional, sort of it tone deaf in terms of its emotional intelligence, a massive great big advert coming across for a team where, you know, we're building up our um, administrative and secretarial support and looking for people to apply and you know, asking us to engage in, in delivering that service for them. And one of the sort of KPIs that they had was that they were embracing a hybrid working policy and actually people could present a case and work from home and um, as long as they were successful in doing that and delivering what they should, they can do, unless you are in a secretarial or administrative capacity, in which case you're expected to be in the office. Ah, uh, uh, okay. So why? Okay. So, yeah, I mean, the, we, we are we are evolving, I would say, into delivering more of a hybrid, agile uh, um, working pattern, but it's, it, it's in its infancy and it needs a lot of work. And also... What does what does hybrid mean? So you say three days in the office and two days working from home. Well, what days do you have the freedom to choose what they are? Does that mean that you don't have the team in all together in one day? If somebody chooses to work from home and you're giving an agile context, um, but they come into the office, how are you managing the language that the rest of the team are addressing those individuals with? So, you know, oh, I haven't seen you for ages, part timer. They're yeah. not part time. They're just working from home. So just um, there's a huge amount that needs unpicking to get it right. Um, but from an attraction perspective, in terms of getting talent into the organisation, I think the the the. Those organisations that are allowing. Candidates to share their preferences and trying to accommodate those alongside business need are those that will win in the long in the long run with keeping with attracting and keeping people. So it is about the long run, isn't it? And this isn't about
0: short, sharp um, fads in terms terms of attraction of that talent. It's making sure that it's sustainable throughout the culture of the organisation. And it's played out in all of those behaviours consistently from leadership to frontline workforce. Absolutely. And And where does this fit? What are you hearing about the employee, the employee value proposition and how critical is that then in organizations as part of attracting talent and being able to drive innovation and creativity
1: really really important and um, and and I think more important than ever um but I think it's important so I, I think organizations need to understand what their EVP is and articulate that um but um, we can all make a statement. We can all sort of mandate a charter that our organization lives to or say that you know these are our these are our our values. But we've got to live them. Yeah, you've got to we've got to be able to demonstrate them in how you engage with your candidate pool and how you go through the selection and onboarding process. Um, one of the things, I mean there's some really good innovation that's coming out, which I think is brilliant. you know, we've heard of um a, an organization that's using some video content of seeing your team at work. So, you know, here's here's, come and join us, BA, I don't know whatever the title of the job was, but here's the team that you'd be working with and a quick pan around the office and see them all working together and a bit of interaction, which I think is really positive. Um, I think uh, if if you're in an organisation and you can use your team members as sort of advocates for joining the business, that's really powerful, Um, hugely so. what do you mean by that? By posting things out on LinkedIn about come and join yeah, the team, you're opening absolutely. up some such, and such so opportunity. If 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 you put an advert out, um, I don't think there's anything more powerful than the people that you'd be working with. So the advert might be on LinkedIn, or they might share it on LinkedIn, or any other social feed. Yeah, and put underneath why it's a great place to work. And if you can confidently go to your team and say we're we're recruiting another person i've put an ad up do you mind just sharing it if they will do that and they do it authentically then that's it's such a powerful message and kind of radiates that advert to a different level flip side if you can't confidently ask your team to do that you really need to understand why because you know if you can't trust them to do that or you don't think that they would want to do that then you've got to understand why that is um you know we we're, we're recruiting at the moment um and the whole team has been out there sharing, saying, come and join us and sharing all sorts of different reasons why it's a good place to come to. Um, and, and it's just powerful. It's a really, really powerful message. So how
0: much of that is about the consistency between values and behaviours then? Because if you're worried about what your team members might be saying, then surely there's a, there's a piece where you look at, what are we doing to retain talent rather than attracting people in? Surely there's a let's get this bit fixed first
1: yeah, approach. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's all sorts of reasons why that may be. Um, it, it's new. So people are always a little bit suspicious of something that's new. Why would I do that? Um, yeah. uh, there's there's um, a huge, huge amount of challenge when challenge put on our managers and leaders, adjusting and evolving to this new world of doing things virtually. Um, if you're working in a remote team and you've joined remotely, sometimes you just don't. Ha- we, we did an article recently on how do you create those work friendships if I'm sitting in a village three miles away from you and we've never actually met face to face. There's a sort of a challenge, I think, uh, uh, around that. But, um, you know, we can all managing remotely is I think is, it has to be a a, a Greater importance put on the art form of that, and empowering and coaching our our managers and our leaders to be able to deliver that confidently. Um, you know, some people just don't feel comfortable asking that question. I mean, face to face, you you, it, it's a little bit more organic. But if you notice in a team meeting that somebody's not themselves, for some leaders, some uh, team managers to pick up the phone and say, "I notice that you're not you aren't yourself. Are you all right?" It's so alien. To them, to do that, so you need to empower and give people the skills to do it, the tools to do it. So it's it's creating that um, capacity and capability within the within the leadership and team manager functions to ensure that that um, those teams are feeling empowered and safe and secure and valued, and then you can go to them and say, advocate this role for me. Right.
0: And do you think that we've got some way to go then? Are candidates yeah. telling you that they're leaving organisations or they're leaving managers or are they working towards another role or an opportunity? It's interesting, that'd be interesting to understand what the, what's yeah. prompting this, this right. um, pool the of candidates. The big resignation thing, if you?
1: it was once turned the and I don't think we've seen it yet. Yes, yeah. um, Interesting question. So I think, um, that's the old adage, isn't it? People leave uh, managers not businesses um so i think that will always be a factor um i think lots of people have put career plans on hold the breaks went on in march 2020 and i can completely understand why i mean you know just if you, if you were to take the um <laughs> compare the numbers of roles we we're working on today compared to 2 years ago the, i mean it's it's uncharted territory we i mean we we were down to single single numbers which yeah. was unheard of um, single numbers per per recruiter. So you know, normally we'd be handling around fifteen roles. Sometimes we had, you know, some of the team had three on. So hugely different. So I think the breaks went on both from an employer perspective and an, and a candidate perspective. Um, but I I think there's been so much focus on what good employers have been doing. You know, I can reference some examples of. Um, Thank yous that have gone out to people because they've been put under pressure and stress, uh, pressure and, and and stress. And you know, half the business has been furloughed and half hasn't. So those that are furloughed were getting lots of care packages and are you right and loads of loads of contact. And those people that are working furiously, you know, in the office, it being overlooked. So send out send out hamper. People being sent out hampers. Thank yous. Extra days off. Um, uh, and I think there's a, those that do it well do it really, really well. And it's very evident and it's very obvious because it's on social media and, and everything's so accessible, isn't it, to, to see. Um, and those people, those businesses that don't do it are equally obvious because you've got people who are frustrated. They've been frightened. You know, and people were really frightened. We had mm-hmm. conversations with people who are really, really scared about what happens next. know what happens at the end of furlough will you be able to get me a temp job at the end of june when furlough ends well probably not because there's no temp market out there so so much so much of that i think is about looking at the businesses that are doing it well and copying steal a few ideas and you'll keep your people um and you don't it doesn't have to be big budget stuff
0: and very often often it is the small things isn't it and it is about leaders picking up the phone and saying how are you doing You're you right. know and, and managing people rather than managing tasks and treating yes. people individually as human yes. beings and that's yes. the it doesn't cost anything no, for some I'm... reason we don't always get that bit right and especially when we're under pressure yeah I think sometimes it's the or oh, I haven't I haven't thought about the niceties because I'm too busy trying to deliver mm. on the task and, and it's, we've
1: all we've all been guilty of 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 you know, shortchanging some of those conversations because we've got to get on to the next thing. Um, But I think giving, uh, making making it a priority to check in is, and giving people permission to make it a priority to check in and say, actually, okay, so fine, you haven't delivered on that bit, but have you checked in with your team this week is is really, really important. Really, really important. And um, I think, you know, the other thing that we... We've, we've seen evolve, and it, 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 it's, I mean, it's not an not, not ugly side of it, but it's not, it, it is something that I'm uncomfortable with, I suppose, is is speaking to organisations who aren't prepared to offer flexible working, who do expect you to be there at eight o'clock in the morning and work till night, at five at night, and sometimes they can articulate the why and some, sometimes they can't, but not sharing that information when you're advertising for a role and not being clear that you're going to have to be in the office and asking your recruitment partners such as ourselves don't put it on the advert because what we'll do is we'll get them in get them interested and then we'll tell them oh, right Which is just a complete big fat waste of time for everybody um so you know having that clarity of message knowing understanding what your gap is because i think you know potentially in in the past somebody's resigned so you recruit someone else so we've got a team head count of eight on that team and we're at seven. So we need to recruit somebody. But go back a bit and think, why are we recruiting somebody? What are they doing? What's their role delivering? Is there another way of cutting it? Is that skill set available? So get really down in the detail to start with and then think about, OK, so if that's the role that we're looking for, where are we going to find those candidates? What are our channels? What do we need to say in the advert? And what are our deadlines? What's our process? And be super sonically clear about each of those steps along the way so that candidates know where they are in that process and um, they will respect that, they will understand what they've applied for, they'll know what the deadlines are. If you communicate with them every step along the way to the point whereby you get an offer, the likelihood is that person will have been engaged throughout the process and you will land that person and they will say yes.
0: So um, this is about.
1: So this is about the employee experience, starting
0: right at the first contact. Yes, before you've even had so contact with involved.
1: them. Yeah, before you've even had contact with them. Don't go. And it does happen. You know, you go to market and you interview people, and actually, uh, through that process as an organisation, you suddenly think, actually, I think we're barking up the wrong tree. Tell them, <laughs> yeah. and then re-advertise. Don't you know? So it's it's about that sort of clear and consistent communication. And we've also got to recognise that you know notice periods these days between four and four four weeks and 13 weeks say so one month to three months it's a long time from handing in your notice and that person is at their most vulnerable at that stage because they haven't started their new job but they're leaving their old job so potentially they might still look or they might be approached or they are open to counter offer so keep talking to them don't think oh i've issued the contract and they've, they've agreed that they're going to join on the 15th of june 2022 keep talking to them let's offer them a coffee introduce them to the team get them have a look around the site could we possibly do a, a, a an, an evening whereby they can meet the team in a in, an, in a social environment because we are allowed out now yeah that uh, do it. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, and
0: I've heard instances, and you're talking about counteroffs, I've heard instances of, of candidates, of employees finding their candidates, they've been gazumped, is the word yeah. that's being used, because those counteroffers are happening in that break time between resignation and starting a new role. Yeah,
1: and, and they are there every day receiving that message from their current employer that you've got more money here, we can fix that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A bit, you know, that this role's available to you in six months' time. It's all, and it's safer, and it's you, you know, the, the devil that you know. Um, yeah. And actually, you know, statistically, I think there's a, a you know, sixty-six percent of people who accept a counter offer, um, will leave within six months anyway, because the likelihood of all the problems being fixed is very, very slim. It's not just about the money. Um, and I think that's a key point as well. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think you and I both picked up on that at exactly the same time, yes. is that it isn't just about the cash offer anymore. It's about the stuff that goes around that and the care that you can provide and the additional uh, flexibilities um, and uh, the sort of non-cash benefits that I think are really, really going to become quite important in decision making. And al- also... You know, organised individuals are looking at the sustainable and environmental credentials of some of the businesses that they work with, and and as a result of that, choosing not to apply or choosing not to accept jobs.
0: And is but, that uh, is that is that an emerging generation that are more yeah. um, purpose driven? Uh, is it um, um, a backlash against profit at all costs? I'm wondering what's yeah. driving that purpose culture where they're becoming more environmentally. Savvy, if you like.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think, um, uh, I, you and I are both at the seminar that we did did on trust last week, and there's like the, the three pillars that we're looking at is people, profit, and environment, and I think they're all all becoming equally important, and you have to get all of those in balance. Yeah. Um And you know, we all want to be proud. Well, I want to be proud of where I'm enormously proud of where I work, but and I would want everybody else to be proud of what where they work and what they do and it's a bit utopian but um you know that's that's kind of what we're here for that's one of the one of the reasons that we enjoy what we do is creating that solution for people and for businesses um and and you don't want to be ashamed of that you don't want to feel as oh yeah i only work at such and such and and so you know as as hr professionals you know as a recruiter. At you and your role it's about helping businesses kind of create that really sort of magnetised compelling message come and work for us because we're really good at what we do we'll look after you and you'll have great career opportunities and you'll have fun while you do it and if we can tick all of those bits off then that person will stay
0: yeah yeah
1: and no amount of pay rises will
0: make them stay if you're not offering all of that no. as the culture of the organisation so, um, so I'm wondering if this candidates are clearly driving the market at the moment there's lots of open vacancies organisations are having to reinvent themselves and think about the future of work in your experience in this market is this cyclical do we find that there are trends where it becomes an employer-driven market and we're just at the pendulum shift at another stage at the moment
1: yeah Yes, I think you know history dictates that that will be the, and certainly my experience dictates. You know, I've lived through. Um, I joined the business when it was um, when it was a really, really client driven market, uh, and then we went through the sort of two thousand and nine crash, where you know the clients were, you know, fending off applications sometimes in the three hundreds for roles. Yeah. Um, and. It sort of has pendulum swung during that period. I mean, this is this is a crescendo of change. I think it would be an absolute tragedy if we don't encourage organisations and and educate and support our clients in um, taking the really positive lessons from it. Yes. Um, but without a shadow of a doubt, organisations are going to run out of budget. They can't keep throwing you know money at it. I mean, some of the. Um, Increases that, in order just to get people through the door, have been, you know, mind blowing. That's not sustainable forever. So business is going to have to find other ways to compete and 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 bring those, bring those people into the organisation and keep them. And that's by having an effective EVP, by having uh, authentic uh, visions and values that you can evidence in the workplace through your people and and outputs. Um, and creating a a good place to work, recognising that people sometimes have issues. I mean, I used to be a headless chicken tearing off to Peterborough at five to eight every morning, having dropped one child off here, one child off there, got the dog to the, you know, doggy daycare, you get to the office, it'd be like, oh my God, I'm absolutely exhausted. Whereas now I start work half an hour earlier, more productive, go into the office and do my collaborative bits with the team on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and it's brilliant. We have a fantastic offer, so it's doable. It's doable and, and
0: it and it's it was unimaginable, I suspect, a couple of <laughs> years ago. But <laughs> yeah, now I'm, I'm it's thinkable. working and, and the organization's thriving as yeah. a result. Lovely. So 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 as we kind of draw this really lovely conversation to a close. What would be the, the kind of the top tips that you would suggest? So if we want to create a clear evp if we want to make sure that we've got authentic leadership that reflects the vision and values and the culture of the organization what are the things that
1: organizations should be doing right now to really attract and retain those top candidates yes. okay so i think with the um with the the vision and the values it's really really important that you know what you, what you do but it's also very very important that you articulate how you do them and then you can share that how with so the what and the how with the potential candidate pool and that's done by um as I've said said previously just to go back to the beginning and and actually think about what do we need to hire and then articulate that choose your channels and be really really clear on every single stage of the process so there are no surprises and when you get to the point where you've got your final shortlist of three you can be confident that you can pick the best and most suitable candidate not the best because that's not fair because all candidates are good but you know the most suited candidate to your organization in that role and you're going to be able to translate that into an employee somebody who walks through the door on day one and is still there 365 days later adding value um communicate and it's obvious I, the, the, the most obvious um i think is just to keep communicating communicate with your team because they'll be anxious about who's joining but also communicate with um your candidate pull and um, ensure that you're hitting those hitting those milestones and the other bit is to plan so be internally ready to deliver the those milestones so make sure you've got time in the interviewers diaries um, if you're going to be doing assessments make sure you've got availability for those assessors to be uh, able to deliver and get your offer letters out in a really timely fashion don't leave a candidate waiting um, and then keep communicating with the candidate until they walk through the door So top tips there, I guess. Okay,
0: lovely. Now, as ever, it's been an absolute joy to chat with you on all of this today. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective. and for inviting me to join you,
1: as ever, a good chat.
0: As ever, a good chat. Thank you.